morning to greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Good to see the house filled. Welcome to the visitors. I really appreciate that last song that we sung, Christ Everlasting Gospel. I don't know if you paid attention to the words, but it goes along real well with what I want to share with you this morning. Christ Everlasting Gospel, it's ringing out again, it's a message of salvation, it's peace, goodwill to men, though sin has hurled its weapons, and evil hosts assail, the gospel of Christ Jesus has evermore prevailed. Sometimes the sky is darkened, the stormy clouds appear, but still beyond the shadow of light is bright and clear. The God of truth has spoken, his words will never fail. The gospel of Christ Jesus shall ever more prevail. The faith wherein is victory, in Jesus we proclaim Though earthly thrones may perish, still lives Emmanuel's name. As our voices swell with triumph above earth's threatening gale, the gospel of Christ Jesus through every age prevails. This morning I want to look at another psalm, Psalm 112. If you remember last time we looked at Psalms 111. And how great God is. Today we get to look at the response of man. This psalm is a very beautiful psalm. It describes the blessing that comes upon those that fear the Lord. It's a companion to Psalms 111. These two psalms are the same length. They fall identical stanzas and even have identical and similar phrases occurring in the same places in, in the psalm. Both are precise acrostics. That is that they have 22 lines, of each beginning with a successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which we would have talked about that last time. Psalms 111 is praising the glory of God. Psalms 112 now speaks of the blessing that comes to the man or woman that praises the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said it this way between these two psalms. It bears the same relation to preceding which the moon does to the sun. For while the first declares the glory of God, the second speaks of the reflection of the divine brightness in men born from above. Those that are in school, that love science, would the moon shine if there was no sun? No. The moon needs the reflection of the sun, the star, the sun to shine and reflect. 
We know what darkness is. If you don't know what darkness is, I invite you to take a little drive. Head for North Dakota or Montana. I remember a few years back we made a trip to North Dakota and I was just, I don't know if awestruck is the word or not, but I was just amazed at how dark it was out there. Driving was, wasn't that late, but it was late enough in the year, in November I think it was. So the sun set early and it was dark, it was pitch dark. Getting back to my illustration, take for example on a winter night, snow laying on the ground, there's a full moon, depending on the rotation of the moon to the earth, sometimes the moon is closer, you can have a full moon and it can be very bright outside, so bright that you don't even need a light. It's still not as bright as the sun, but that reflecting of the sun is giving light to the darkness. It's chasing the darkness away. As you think about that, I ask myself, where do I, or how am I reflecting the sun? Not S-U-N, but S-O-N. Is Jesus shining on your life and you reflecting that glory back into the dark world. Am I taking that and am I stopping that reflection? Or am I letting it all go, being as a full moon? Let's look at Psalms 112 and read it. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved. Forever the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth. And melt away the desire of the wicked shall perish. In verse 1 of our psalm here today, I believe it's building on the previous psalm of 111. If we go back to that last verse of Psalm 111, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then it's verse 1 of our psalm here. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Fearing the Lord and delighting in His commandments go hand in hand. Greatly delight. 
delighting in his commandments. Not just delighting in his commandments, but greatly delighting in his commandments. Do you find delight in God's commands? It's a question we can ask ourselves. God gives us commands. He gave us enough to know, enough to live by. But yet his commandments aren't burdensome. It's not like he gave us a huge long list either. But do I delight in God's commands? Verse 2. Because this man fears the Lord and loves God's commandments, it says that his children, his, his seed, will be great and blessed because he is a man of good character. The decisions, the decisions that you and I make have an impact on our children. Sometimes we may be faced with faced with some very big decisions. And then sometimes we may be not so big of decisions. And as I thought about that, I wonder if sometimes is it the smaller decisions? I can't even get my S's this morning. Is it the smaller decisions that may trip us up? One little decision after another as we continue to go our path. I believe that as parents we have an influence on our children by the decisions that we make, but there's an aspect that we still have to understand, and that is our children still have a free choice to make their decisions as well. And sometimes the decisions that they make aren't always what we would want. And there may be lessons that they need to learn by the decisions that they make. But, it's, but it is as I, as you, choose Christ. Those are the decisions that will have an impact on those that come after you. Verse 3 says, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Is this a health and wealth gospel? Don't throw me out yet. I believe that in the Old Testament that there was a place for this health and wealth. It was a stamp of God's approval on a person, a character. If someone did what was right and was following God, it was a mark for them if God blessed them with prosperity and riches and honor. But I believe as we move into the New Testament, the idea of wealth and health don't necessarily go hand in hand. There's an element of a spiritual dimension that is more valuable than that, that we claim. 
I was thinking about what Ellis was sharing. He had mentioned the other Sunday about a friend of his known as the postcard man, the man in Chicago. And he made the, the challenge, if we aren't taken in or taken advantage of in some way, what kind of heart do we have? There's a story of a rich, industrious, who was disturbed to find a fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat. He very loudly proclaims to him, said, Why aren't you fishing? he asked. He says, Well, I caught my fish today. That's all I need, said the fisherman. Well, why don't you go catch some more fish? More than what you need? The rich man asked. What would I do with them? Well, you could earn more money, came his impatient reply. Then you could buy a better boat so that you could go deeper and catch more fish. And you could purchase nylon nets, catch even more fish and make more money. Soon you'd be, soon you'd have a fleet of fish, a fleet of fish, a fleet of boats and be rich like me. The fisherman looked at the guy and asked, then what would I do? The industrious said, well, then you could sit down and enjoy life. Well, what do you think I'm doing now, replied the fisherman. Fisherman had it all figured out. He was already enjoying life. He didn't need to go pursue more things just to get more fish. If happiness could be found in having material things and if being able to indulge ourselves in whatever we wanted, then most of us in America should be pumped with joy and happy beyond description. We should be the ones that are producing books and poems and art and describing our state of unparalleled bliss. But instead, we find those things are trying to get more and more and more. And we find high rates of divorce, suicide, depression, and abuse. And we just see this happen. And we see that happiness is just not found in having all that we want. There is a balance, I believe, that needs to be understood between work and being busy in our day-to-day stuff. And I think the illustration of the rich man and the fisherman puts it well. There's another comparison that we see in Psalms 112. The Psalms, the psalmist here compares the man who fears God and delights in God's word between a wicked man. And that's contrast is in verse 10. Blessed man and the vexed man. Happy man, bitter man. There's clearly two types of people. Those that fear God and those who do not. Verses, backing up a little bit, verses 3 through 5, produces character. More than money issues in this verse, 
The verse is saying that God blesses us in material ways and in spiritual ways. The man who fears God will be a be generous. Paul talked of that in 2 Corinthians 9.9 where he commended the Corinthians for their generosity to him. Even though they didn't have money, but he talked about how they gave liberally to him. Kind and compassionate. Fair. You can get the picture well of someone who is there to help to lend his things, his tools, whatever it may be that is needed to help someone that is in need. To benefit others. Verses 6 through 8 produces security and tranquility. Darkness comes, but we as a child of God can see the light. Fearing God does not remove darkness, but it provides us light to see in that darkness. Forward a little bit in Psalms 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Darkness comes, but we can avoid stumbling because God makes our feet walk on solid ground. And because we can see the light, He is the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, there is bad news. Bad news sometimes comes to us. But we do, but do we remain confident and trusting? Wealth can come and go, but the righteous character is not moved by the changing trends or bad news that even Wall Street may throw sometimes. God doesn't promise us better news, but a steady heart. Someone once said that sometimes God doesn't calm the storm, but he calms his child in the midst of that storm. I don't need relief. I just need strength and grace to make it through. His clear confidence is not because he is trusting in himself or his circumstances around him, but because he is trusting in God. That is this man that we're looking at in Psalms 112. Seek first God's kingdom. And God's righteousness will result in seeing all the things that we need that will be added to us. Isaiah 26.3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Because he trusteth in thee. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be the man who fears God? Do you want contentment and happiness? You need to learn that true happiness is found in trusting the Lord. The word blessed in many times can be translated to happy. True 
<clears throat> True happiness is not the on and off again happy feelings, but it's an experience because of what someone does. True happiness is not that feeling of an inner back up. True happiness is that feeling of an inner peace of knowing that God is your Savior and that He keeps you from all harm. Even in those times when you cannot see that path or light at the end of the tunnel. There's a little count. Milt Rood worked for years and years in Spook Inn as a salesman. He was also a very active, he was also very active with the Union Gospel Mission, working with juvenile delinquents. Week by week, he patiently taught the word, prayed with the young boys in trouble. One week, Milton went into the hospital for an exploratory surgery. The doctors found that he was full of cancer. They sewed him up again and sent him home. He died within a week. After the funeral, Ron Kinley remarked, It's interesting that at the funeral, no one even asked how many cars he had sold. Closing. I'd like to finish with a poem. It's called Aspire to What is Higher. Aspire to godly excellence and wisdom for your life, for these have eternal values and is the character of Christ. Why should we spend more time on what is only external? Shouldn't we be feeding our spirits? For it's our spirit that is eternal. For there is far more value in pursuing godly things. For with it our souls shall prosper and know eternal blessings. God wants to lift us up. God wants to lift us up to our full potential in Him, to rise above our limitations and run the race to win. Don't let circumstances in life hold you back once more, for you can arise and conquer it as you trust in the living Lord. And as the Lord reveals to you His purpose and His will, know that He equips you for your destiny to fulfill. And He will be to you a friend. You can go to when in need. Just keep your eyes focused on Him and upon His Word. Believe. That is by M.S. Loudus. If you were an employer trying to hire an efficient, honest, and competent employee, would you hire yourself? Might seem kind of redundant. Would you be happy with your salary if you had to live with someone just like yourself for the rest of your life? Would you look forward to it as a wonderful opportunity or privilege? Sometimes we need to take a good, hard self-look at ourselves, but do it in light of God. <clears throat>